but um, I seen it and it was all I needed to see. And it's pure evil. But I want to tell you, I'm not going to tell you anything graphic about it. I'm just going to tell you the premise of it. And I want to show you where America's mindset is today. This is why when you and I go out and preach the words of life, all they know is death. This is why. Because their mind and their brain is consumed with death. The glorification I am state. seeing something on the screen and repulsed by it. I am sitting there dreading another needle in the eyeball. I am dreading another incision across the scalp and the peeling back of the scalp. That's dread. That is not horror, and that's not entertainment. It is dread. This is some of the Hollywood writers. It's simply appalling. The uh, night of the living dead, you know, the chainsaw massacre, this horrible stuff, the blood and gore. You, you don't want to focus on your life on that because it will haunt you. you have horror movies and wicked movies in your home, those are gateways And I was sitting there, and I wasn't allowed to take pictures of the strippers. So I was just sitting there watching the show. And... Uh, Unbeknownst to me, my friends went and talked to the strippers about taking me up on stage for the final show, which was a S&M show that the two strippers Hi. put on. Yeah, and I got up there, and they handcuffed me and took my shirt off and then suddenly used nipple clamps on me and then beat the shit out of me with whips. So <laughs> I, I was like, well, this is fun, but I, I, but I couldn't enjoy it like I wanted to. As soon as I started to enjoy it, I got the shit beat out of <laughs> me. Welcome to the 55th, I think I have that right, episode of the Horror Explorer Podcast. This is a podcast determined to turn people on to horror movies they might have never seen or even heard of. We like to focus on VHS-era horror that most younger horror fans aren't aware of, and some of the more obscure or unusual horror that's come out since. Uh, We've had a little bit of a change to the lineup this week. Once again, I have Jordan. Hey, everybody. Good to be here again. And, of course, Critical Dave. Hello. And filling in that huge gap that was left behind by Alicia, we've got TJ. Hey there, everybody. And TJ, where are you? Where are you at? I am in Finland. Give everybody a little bit of background on who you are and what you do. And how old are you? Oh, okay. Uh, Well, I'm TJ. I'm 41 years old. Uh, I am a photographer and uh, photograph primarily a lot of heavy metal bands, which are very predominant here in the country. And, uh, also I do a little acting here and there, but, uh, that's what? the base. Yeah. I do a little acting. I don't remember that from last time. Well, they're, they're, uh, that's kind of picked up for me. I don't know how long ago it was that, that we did the, the podcast with me, but I've done a, I've done a little acting here and there. A few weekends ago, I did a, uh, short film. So really, and what kind, what kind of film exactly? Like what, what exactly are you doing? Uh, it was a, uh, I guess it would be considered a thriller. Uh, I was a, uh, bad guy. I kidnapped a cop and, uh, I yelled a lot. So that's kind of what I did. Well, that sounds kind of exciting. Another dynamic that's going to change here is, uh, obviously TJ is not a millennial. TJ is the exact same age as me. And that's just good for me, in my opinion, because now when I make references to someone looking like Larry from Three's Company, someone's going to get it. Yes, <laughs> I, I know. I know Larry. So that's great. Again, this is, a, you know, another thing that's kind of being violated is not only have we uh, replaced a millennial with an old guy like me, but right off the bat, we're going to talk about a new movie. I know this is like the second or third time we've done this since we decided we were just going to stick to the VHS era stuff. But uh because it's an 80s throwback or it's supposed to be an 80s throwback, I decided to check out The Void, which came out on VOD over here in the state. And Dave, I believe, has seen it too. Can I can I start with my story? I guess. Okay. So I'm in Evanston, which is like a suburb of Chicago. So it's like a bit of a journey to get into Chicago because I don't have a car. So we take the train to get into Chicago. But I saw a trailer for The Void before a screening of this French horror film called Raw. So I was, once I saw the trailer, I was like, wow, I need to see that. So there was a midnight showing of it happening yesterday, actually, this Friday. So I decided I got a few friends together. I'm like, guys, let's go see the void. It looks amazing. So we did a whole journey to Chicago and we arrive at the theater and there are signs everywhere that say the void midnight screening is sold out. So it's sold out. 
So we journeyed all the way to Chicago and we can't see it. So we go up to the attendant and we're like, hey, are there any other showings? And he's like, yeah, there's one more showing uh, because this is a very small theater. So it cycles through movies very quickly. And he's like, there's another showing of The Void, except it's tomorrow at midnight. So my friends and I are like, well, should we really come back tomorrow at midnight? Turns out the attendant right afterward, the attendant told us that it was sold out tomorrow already. So people bought so many tickets in advance for it that it was sold out both days. So I haven't seen the void yet, even though I did a whole journey to try to see it. Jeez, that sucks. I've had similar experiences where you go out of your way to like, I wanted to see that uh, bloody Valentine in 3d when it came out, the remake and yeah. I got there, and it, they don't even have 3D projectors at the theater. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> but anyways, back to The Void. Uh, Jordan, have you seen or heard of The Void, maybe seen the trailer or anything like that? No, I hadn't even heard of it. Uh, what about you, TJ? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've seen quite a bit about it. I've tried to keep up with it when it was first announced uh, however long ago, and it looked really interesting because I'm a big HP Lovecraft fan, and it looked very uh Lovecrafty, and so I was wanting to uh, check it out. Yeah, well, uh, I got bad news for you guys. <laughs> oh no, it fucking sucks. No, oh my god, no, did it suck? Oh, it's so terrible. The first fifteen or twenty minutes, you're like, wow, this is fucking incredible. And then it just the minute that it has to fall back on plot and script and stuff like that, it just absolutely falls flat. It's like you've got the some of the best effects that I've seen. In this movie, this movie has some really great effects and has some really great scenes that stand alone. You chop them up, you put them in a trailer. It makes the movie look like it is going to be amazing. But the acting is fucking terrible. The script, the dialogue, uh, just the, the coherency of the story, the motivation. They put no effort into any of that. I was so fucking disappointed. Oh, now, man. you're big into the Lovecraft thing, TJ. There's definitely a lot of Lovecraftian stuff to this. It's like interdimensional and there's tentacles and shit like that. But, uh, that's, it's just eye candy is all it is. I mean, I would say that it doesn't even really have any very good cinematography in it. It's just got some really incredible effects. It's got some great scenes in it. But it's like a mixture of From Beyond, mm-hmm. very similar to From Beyond, and then you've got a little bit of Hellraiser thrown in there. Oh, okay. And stuff like that. But, I mean, it's so superficial, it's unbelievable. I was... We sat and we watched it in the first 15 or 20 minutes. We're like, wow, this is going to be a great movie, me and the wife. And, you know, it's not often that she even gets into anything. And then we hit about the 25, 30-minute mark. She was asleep, and I was struggling to keep my eyes open. Even, <laughs> oh, and my- and it's, so, it's so – you even feel bored when the awesome effects are happening. It's really it, – I was so disappointed. So I refuse to believe bad. you. <laughs> I refuse yeah, to yeah, believe I'm you. Sorry. I'm, like, I'm, I'm still going to see it for myself. But that's I too was so bad. excited about it, man. I was so, it was such a fucking letdown. I mean, I am glad they did it. It's all pretty much all practical effects. I don't even think they use CGI blood or anything like that. There's a lot of gore in it. There's just some really scary looking shit in it, you know. And I give them a lot of credit. But it kind of reminds me of a of a movie that you saw, Dave. Where all I'm just going to say is, well, at least they made a feature length film. <laughs> oh no, that's terrible. I'm so upset because I was, I'm so psyched for it. Like that movie is, I I was more excited for this movie than I've been for like any other film recently. Just from seeing the trailer once in a theater. Yeah. I got super excited about it when I I saw the trailer like two days before it came out. I was like, wow, I want to see this. Yeah. Cause I'd heard people talk about it, but I hadn't seen the trailer, but I don't know, man. I mean, you could recut it into a really interesting, it would make a good music video if you recut it. Like make like a four minute music video out of it, but other than that, it's it's fucking worthless. No, it's too bad. <sighs> yep, modern horror disappoints again, which is why I keep going back to this old stuff every week. I make these three. Well, this is the first week for TJ. I make them watch an older or more obscure movie that most people their age, well, except for TJ, might not be familiar with. Usually, it's something I like because the whole point of the podcast is to make younger horror fans aware that the best new horror movie that they see this year could be a movie from 30 years ago that they didn't even know existed. 
this week my Caddis watch there's nothing out there and uh, I had actually seen this uh, just one time and I had I didn't pay that close attention to it so uh, today was the first time that I sat down and watched it in full yeah same here I had seen it once before I think with Jordan and Mike but I hadn't really paid very close attention to it. I was actually the one who kind of like pushed for the, the, us to watch this yeah. movie because I remember the, some memorable moments. It was up until this viewing my favorite trauma film. I have never heard of it before. Uh, I, I am familiar with trauma movies. And so when I saw that the trauma produced it or whatnot, I was like, this is going to be uh, something special. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, it's one of those rare occasions when seeing the trauma on a uh, movie gives you great expectations that it doesn't really live up to. And this is a lot of that. Well, my that was my opinion, obviously. But in this movie was not created or produced by trauma in any way, shape or form. Trauma just picked up the distribution in 2011 to put out a DVD. So that's why it starts with the trauma logo and music and all that. Yeah, aside from them being the distributor company, Trauma had no involvement in the production of this film. Yeah, and this movie was actually made in 1989, and they couldn't find anyone to even put it out until like 1991. The good thing about Trauma picking it up, though, is that you can see this on YouTube now. Yeah. yeah. You got to love that about Trauma. It seems like everything they get their hands on, they put on YouTube. So what's this movie about? It's about a group of friends who go to an isolated vacation home for spring break. They're like college students or high school students. It doesn't really ever say. One of them has this tendency to interpret every little detail as evidence of some kind of imminent danger because of his obsession with horror movies. It turns out that he's right, and they all soon fall victim to an unexplained monster. Uh, and just, just for the record, like a lot of movies that Troma does produce, there's nobody in this movie. There's nobody in it. The guy that made it wrote it when he was a senior in high school. That'll give you an indicator of the uh, quality of the script in it. We'll see what these guys have to say about there's nothing out there right after this. If you would like to contact us here at the Horror Explorer podcast, you can reach us via email at horrorexplorerpodcast at gmail.com or you can interact with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash horrorexplorer or follow us on Twitter at horrorexplorer. All right, now we'll see what these guys thought of There's Nothing Out There. I guess we'll start with Dave. Okay, so as usual, I'm going to start with the opening. So today we open on Sky, or I shouldn't say today, I should say in There's Nothing Out There. We open on the Sky, and then we slowly crane down to a video store called Piermont Pictures Video, which is like a riff on Paramount Pictures, you know, that production company. Anyway, so... This is very telling for the rest of the film because a lot of this movie, the substance of this movie comes from its references to other horror movies. So opening in a video store is kind of the perfect way to set up the tone of the film and the self-referential vibe it's going for, I should say. Yeah, uh, you, it, that's the, the same vibe I got off it too, Dave, is that it's showing you the video store and all that and how – you know, different, it's, it's, it's panning. She's being attacked by this, uh, intruder or whatever. She's like supposed to be the clerk of the video store. And she's like on the, on the floor, like kind of crab walking backwards, bumping into shelves and stuff. And you see the covers of different movies. A lot of them, I recognize the covers, but they don't show the name and stuff like that. You know, and that's, it, it does a really good job. That's like a great way to show that it's going to be a parody to show that's going to be referential to other, other movies. And to the genre in general. I really did like that at first. Yeah, in fact, the killer picks up a VHS and puts it next to, the, like, on the girl's counter. And the tape title is called Weekend of Horrors. So that foreshadows the, the rest of the film. Because it's about a group of kids who go out to a cabin for, like, a weekend getaway. No, very typical. But, but like you said, when the girls are, like, crab walking backwards or seeing all the covers of the tapes and the posters and whatnot it's okay editing but it's ruined by the girl's performance because she's like smiling and laughing as she's running away from the killer and that's just not acceptable and takes me out of the film completely i couldn't tell if she was like about to get into a tickle fight or about to get chopped up by an axe murderer for that scene also a slight you know, gripe I have with this scene is when she gets out 
side, she's covered in VHS tape, and we reuse the same aerial shot of her looking back and forth three times in a row. Uh, back to what Jordan was saying, you know, that's that's a pro- that's one of the problems I did have with the sequence is you weren't ever sure if, if it was heading towards a killer or if it was going to be like her boyfriend or it was going to be something goofy. You couldn't quite get the vibe of the scene. I don't know. I read it very much as she was running away from a killer because of all the shots of the girl. Uh, for example, when yeah. you see the poster for Evil no, I Dead. Mean, I, I, I agree with that, Dave. I mean, it's, but I mean, I, where it was going to, where it was going to end, you couldn't, you kind of, because of the way she was behaving, it left you unsure as of, you know, if it was just going to be something goofy or if it was going to be something, you know, serious. Right. I think that's more of a performance issue than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and of course, what it does end up being is a dream sequence. Dream. Yeah. It's nothing happening, but it's trying to give the audience the illusion that something has happened. That's what this type of dream sequence is. Of course, dream sequences can be used very well, but when they have no purpose aside from trying to trick the audience into thinking that something is happening in a movie where nothing has happened yet, then the dream sequence is not acceptable. See, I feel like that whole scene was just so the director could bukake a chick with VHS tape. <laughs> okay, great. This is a great opportunity for Dave to learn something again. So I taught Dave what butt chugging was. Uh, now Dave also knows what DP really stands for. Dave, do you know what bukake is? Yes, I do. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, so once this girl wakes up from her dream sequence – a giant rock or something falls into the pond next to her and she leans over out the window of her car, which has crashed at this point and says, Oh, look, a fallen cloud. And I laughed out loud at that line, but 1991 or 1989 in this case is no excuse. Like I'm pretty sure that was never a thing people said. Yeah. This is, you know, the whole concept it's, it's, there's so much stupid compressed into this section of the movie where she was having a dream sequence. You're like, Oh, it's a dream sequence. Lame. And then you find out, well, she fell asleep driving a car and she wakes up in the car. What? And you know, you have a dream when you fall asleep driving a car and then you wake up and crash, you know, because you're, you're asleep at the wheel and she crashes into, you know, like you said, into the tree or whatever. And then something green falls out of the sky and then it turns into like a, a shapeless whatever that falls into the water in the ditch beside her. And she says, Oh, look, a falling cloud. And it's like, it just in that like 15 seconds there, it's just like, wow, this is going to be stupid as hell. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And I really got, I really got the vibe at this point. The vibe I already had was a uh, bad taste. Mm, I wouldn't go that far, but I can see where you're coming from. So then afterwards, the thing that fell in the water is obviously the creature. So the creature attacks the car. But during this whole scary, like, suspense scene where the creature is trying to get in and murder her, you would expect slasher music to raise tension. But instead, we get some sort of, like, jungle action music, which you'd expect to see in a movie like Rambo, not in a horror movie. Yeah, they didn't do a good job with music at any point in this movie. Mm-hmm. It got very old and repetitive fast because they kept reusing the same stuff over and over. Uh, right after that, right after the attack sequence, we transitioned to some sort of digital effect that's supposed to simulate moving f- through an electronic tunnel of some it sort. It looks like a fucking screensaver. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it looked like. It reminded me of uh, the Doctor Who intro. That's what it reminded yeah. me of. Except it was yeah, done worse similar. than that. It's a prolonged credit sequence. It goes on forever. Mm-hmm. And like I've that's, said a couple times before, when you see all of the credits at the beginning of the movie, that's because the people that made it know it's so bad that you're probably not going to be around at the end to see them. And then after we transition out of this digital tunnel sequence, we move into a hallway. But something interesting is in the background, right when that transition happens, there's a voiceover that says, well, that was a stupid thing to do. <laughs> it was almost as if they're referring to the tunnel. Yeah. Which I found amusing. And then we're introduced to our leads. Our leads are composed of three couples and Mike who is coincidentally the guy who's into horror movies who has to explain things to the others about horror movies. 
Yeah, Mike's whole character is that every little detail that he perceives while they're on this trip is like a warning or evidence that they're actually in some kind of horror movie scenario. Mm-hmm. And it's very on the nose and it's very, I mean, I, they talk about throughout, throughout it, they're talking about, well, your friend Mike's really annoying everyone else. And at the same time, as an audience member, I am also annoyed by Mike. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mike is too obnoxious to draw our empathy, you know, and the other characters are too stupid to draw our concern. So we're kind of left with with nothing to latch onto in this film. When I heard that this was written by a teenager, Mike made a lot more sense because he's kind of like what a teenager thinks is witty and cool, but actually it's just sarcastic asshole like dickhead who nobody likes but you know you could totally see how if you're like 17 like mike would be oh yeah look how much smarter he is than everyone but in actuality he doesn't come off that way at all you're right about him trying to be witty and that's what some people might consider witty but every time he tried to give a one-liner every time he tried to make a connection between what was going on and horror movies or whatever, it seemed like very little effort was put into making it an intelligent deduction. There was the, the one liners were done poorly. His lines that are supposed to be funny or ironic are done poorly. And you, so you have potential to build this character up and instead the character is just kind of filled with confetti. Do you think that's uh, because of uh, the teenager, writing the the lines or do you think it's just because of the actor not being a very good actor or maybe a combination of both well it depends on who's responsible for the dialogue and the script here i mean how much did the actor put into it it's just mm-hmm. in my opinion you know what i mean i'm i'm getting right to the meat of it pretty quick this movie is just poorly written and it was written and directed by a you know a, a teenager i actually i don't know how old this director was when he made the film i'm 20 or a- 21 okay okay so, but he wrote it when he was a senior in high school, dude. Yeah, that that really tells you something. A lot of the scenes seem like Mike, the main character, is doing improv. That's the impression I got. It, it was almost like a stand-up routine sometimes. Well, he gave it a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. so at this point, they're already at the cabin in the woods, and we've established our three couples. There's like the nice couple, which. That's pretty much all there is to their character. They're the nice guys. There's the jock couple, which is like the buff guy with the blonde chick. And then there's the nerdy couple, which is like the guy with the glasses, coincidentally named David, with some (laughs) girl who doesn't speak English. Janet. She's from Brazil, or she's supposed to be an exchange student. She was originally written as just another nerd, just like him. But since they got this chick from Brazil to do the part, they decided to change it around. And, of course, there's Mike, the seventh wheel in this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So once the fa- – the, I almost said the family. Once the group of friends get to the cabin, immediately what happens are a group of, like, punk rockers say, let's go skinny dipping, who are, are randomly at this cabin for some reason. So something that got me, a little detail that I want to point out is – they say – after they say, let's go skinny dipping, they take off their shirts and jump into the water. But – What's weird is they still have pants on, so they're not really skinny dipping. And in fact, we cut to a medium shot of some girl in the water, and her top is still on. So what definition of skinny dipping are they using? Are they using my definition of like butt chugging? Is that the equivalent? <laughs> well, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, I guess they're calling it skinny dipping because a couple of the chicks are topless. You know, and that's the only purpose they serve. But yeah, like there's one chick, she's got full leggings on. There's another chick that goes in wearing a fucking skirt. <laughs> it's it, it was really pissed me off. I was like, "Wow, this is pretty stupid." And this is this is some throwaway stuff right here. And you keep expecting it to be reincorporated. You keep expecting to see these punk rockers come back. Yet they never do. This is the only no. time we see them in the film. They're like, "Oh, we thought this was supposed to be the uh, campground by the lake." He's like, "No, it's a house with a pond next to it." And they're like, oh, well, we're going to go to the lake. And you're getting monster POV shots at this point of these, too. There's a monster POV shot to introduce them, and there's a monster POV shot when they're packing back into their van and leaving, and nothing comes of it. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing with a lot of these monster POV shots, because I feel like they just threw in POVs, kind of like what they did in Evil Dead, to hide the lack of special effects they have. 
Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. And then right from this quote-unquote skinny dipping scene, we transition to a shower scene, which has to be the least sexy shower scene I have ever (laughs) seen. Because all the shots of the shower are above the neck and all the – or below, like, the knee. Like, that's all the shots are. There's not even, like, any shoulder, I don't think. And it makes no sense. Go ahead, Jordan. We did get, like, a really nice shot of her uh, hip from the side and her, like – you know that part but yeah you don't get actually get to see even tits in that scene i don't think well now now wait a minute guys i have to disagree with you i think this <laughs> scene was was shot primarily for the amish audience uh to, <laughs> to uh get aroused by <laughs> look at her ankle yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, it, it really doesn't – it doesn't make sense because they're pushing it to be a sexy scene. They have this really crappy version of sexy music playing. It's very prolonged. It keeps following her hands and stuff like that. But you never see anything – you know, you never see – you know, not like it's important. But if you're going to push this as a sexy shower scene, sexy shower scene, then – Make put some nudity in it or something, but there was nothing. It was like a, a friggin' shampoo commercial, and it doesn't make any sense because you see her tits later. Why wouldn't she show them then? That's what I was going to say as well. Is that it doesn't make any sense. They don't show any tits there in the shower, but then her boyfriend comes in just a few seconds later and she shows it all. So I, I didn't understand yeah. that. Either. Yeah, and something really weird that happens right after that is we jump to a tracking shot that follows different characters around the house as they walk around. And this is weird because this tracking shot is actually fairly well done, but it just contrasts with everything else in the film because it's a moment of like competent cinematography, which is quite the opposite of everything we've seen so far. Uh there was no competent cinematography in this that I saw. <laughs> but something else, speaking of lack of competence, let's talk about the lighting. The lighting was some of the worst oh, lighting I've seen in a long time. Come on. What? Well, you're, you're just... going to the lighting on a movie like this. Mm, that's true. Everything... It's just everything looks like a stage. Everything looks like a stage performance. There are heavy shadows. It's just not done well. It draws attention to the artificiality of everything there. <laughs> anyway. It's also, not like the lighting can even take you out of the film, though, because it really never draws you in in the first place, so... Yeah. Well, it should. It should. But it, it's in this film, it's hard to be taken out of something that you're never in. And once again, speaking of things that are poorly done, when the monster does attack the nerdy couple who go out into the woods to have sex, it's edited horrifically the editing is atrocious the monster doesn't look like it's doing anything and at some points it's very clear that the monster is just a model that some guy is holding up now is this where they're walking along and the the girls telling a story about people walking through the woods with the monster following them yes yeah that their attempt at irony is that she's telling him this story about a couple that goes out into the woods to to fuck or whatever and but they don't know there's a monster behind them the whole time and of course behind them there's a monster following them the whole time mostly from POV to hide the monster model because it's terrible yeah and then and well, nothing the, happens yeah well the guy gets killed eventually but they go they go bad they go away from that you know to a certain point Mm-hmm. So at then this they come point, back to the three it. couples have separated. The nerdy couple is off in the woods getting attacked by a monster. The jock couple is off skinny dipping. And the nice couple is off having sex in the bedroom. So Mike decides to fortify his room in order to prevent himself from getting killed by the monster. But it's put together in like a montage with like fun, fast music, but it's edited so poorly. You don't really get any sense of progression. Part of that's a prod design issue because there's not enough. It it doesn't look like he's touching or doing anything real. More importantly, there's no reason for him to think there's a monster. Absolutely nothing has happened at this point. Like a pan fell on the floor while they were outside having dinner. And that's all that's happened. And he's automatically leapt to the conclusion that there's a monster. And they don't put any effort into creating logical reasons for him to behave or react the way he does. He's assuming that because everyone's split up, 
you know, that he's by himself, he needs to barricade the room because there must be a monster. It's it's just so on the nose, and they put no effort into making it logical or smoothing it out at all, that it just it makes you dislike what's going on in the movie. At least it made me dislike what was going on in the movie. Yeah, I certainly agree. There's not enough motivation for his actions, and when all the quote-unquote skeptical friends are telling him there's no way there's a monster, we're inclined to sympathize with them over him, even though we should be rooting for him at that moment. Yeah. Also, yeah, exactly. As we're talking about the performances, we should probably mention the blonde girlfriend's performance because it's porn star level. Yeah, and I don't think anyone gives a good or even a mediocre or even a passable performance in this. Mm -hmm. I agree. The stunt work is terrible. The editing transitions from like day to night are ridiculous and take me out of the film completely. There's just so much wrong with this movie. It's still entertaining at some points, but a lot of the time it reminds me of a less competent version of Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yeah, Yeah, even that wasn't this bad. I would much rather watch Leslie Vernon. I'd rather watch Leslie Vernon ten times probably than watch this. (laughs) Wow. Uh, so I assume you guys don't like the rise of Leslie Vernon, right? No, <laughs> we, we don't. Really, Matt I liked actually, it. I liked. Was it. that Matt that liked it. it? One of us liked it. I forget who. Not me. Not me either. It's not. It's not what we usually go to for the litmus test of bad, but it, it does make sense in this because it is also supposed to be like a parody or a satire or whatever of horror movies. I must admit, there are some cute moments. For example, when Mike is alone with two girls in a bedroom, she is one of the girls proposes to him, what if we're in a movie right now? Is that what you're saying? Is that what you're telling us? And then Mike looks into the camera for a moment, lo- then looks her in the eyes and nods and says, we're in a movie. So there are a few moments like that that are funny, but they, they're funny on their own as isolated moments. They're out of place in context of the rest of the film. Yeah, that was one of, actually one of my favorite moments in the film because of just – he's so subtle and like quick at looking into the camera. You know, but you definitely notice it, but it's almost like he's doing it guiltily and mm-hmm. uh, it just sells that moment. And it's it's honestly probably the best moment in the film. Another moment where they break the fourth wall – aside from the whole movie, is when a guy grabs a boom pole in order to escape from yeah, that, the monster. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only reason I was interested in doing this movie, because I had never actually sat and watched it. I'd seen bits and pieces of it before, and I knew it was I knew it was like a parody or whatever, and I knew it was low budget, you know, and I didn't expect a lot out of it, but I expected it to be funny. And the really the only thing in this movie that made me laugh is when they're doing all this stuff that kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit. Like, you know, the guy constantly saying they're in a movie. But just out of nowhere, an unrelated character who has just come back, you know, he hasn't been present for most of what's going on in the movie. And he returns from going to town to get a plumber or something like that, I think it was. And uh, he gets attacked by the monster immediately. And he's trying, he gets cornered and he doesn't know how to get away. And then just the boom mic lowers down and he grabs the boom mic and he uses that to propel himself out a window. And I thought that was so funny when I saw that, that I was like, we definitely have to do this movie at some point. And I put it on the list and Dave was always pushing for it too. So I thought this whole movie must be full of moments like that, but that is the only moment like that in the movie where it goes all naked gun on you. Mm-hmm. The way I remembered this movie is the rest of the movie is so forgettable that I only remembered like the few self-aware moments it had. So that's why I pushed for this movie. But anyway, at this point, there are three people left alive. There's Mike and there's the nice couple. And they undergo like the least energetic final battle prep ever, despite the music that tries to make it exciting. And the, they trick the monster because apparently the monster is a cat. So they shine a light at it to confuse it and distract it. Long story short, they put the monster in a microwave. Microwave explodes. Oven. oven, sorry. The oven explodes. The monster explodes. They destroy the house pretty much. And then they drive away. And that's it for the climax. What the hell was going on during that final scene? I mean, I really... 
I had no idea what was going on. Like, were they not the final? So, you know, the whole the whole end where they're trying to he's got this master plan that involves I need all your light bulbs and shaving cream and mirrors and stuff like that. And really, it seemed like most of it was unnecessary, it was just totally fucking contrived. Again, totally evident that it was written by, you know, like a 17 year old boy. And in the end, they're just making it dive through a mirror and then get into the oven so they can trap it in the oven. I didn't. It was just such a a mess. I just didn't understand what was going on there. Definitely, definitely. The terrible editing and all those jump cuts certainly did not help at all either. But something funny that did happen was as they're driving along down the road into the sunset, they pick up some random girl and she describes like symptoms that make them think that she's like pregnant with an alien. So they throw her out of the car and then we freeze frame on her like standing by the road, like looking at them, like going like, why did you just do this to me? I'm so... I'm so confused. Yeah, she was the girl from the beginning who got in the car accident that saw, oh, a falling cloud. <laughs> All right, it looks like we lost TJ. I don't know what happened. He's not online anywhere, so we'll just have to continue without him. Okay, so anyway, that's pretty much wraps up the movie. So I guess I'll just give my final thoughts on it. It looks and sounds like a student film in every possible way. Despite this... There are a few amusing moments, but I wouldn't say those add up to a movie that's worth watching, unfortunately. The amusing moments are those that are self-aware, but so much of this movie is filler, and it's shot so poorly, and characters are uninteresting, script is paper thin. (laughs) The script is as thin as the paper it was printed on, no doubt. But Ooh, witty. Yeah, thank you, thank you. But... Well, and so many shots are reused. You don't reuse shots in an actual film. You reuse shots in a student film or a student music video. So overall, 2 out of 10 for me, a low 2 out of 10. The only reason it gets above a 1 is from the brief self-aware moments. All right, what did you think about this movie, Jordan? So there are some scenes that I I like in this movie. Um, I really like the scene where like the Canadian hipsters, like rockers pull up in their like big ass van and they open the back and like all the fucking marijuana smoke pours out. Yeah. Um, You know, wait, 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 wait. Why do you think they're Canadian? Uh, is this some kind of bias you have from living so close to Canada? I just, I felt, oh no, I felt like this was a Canadian film. Maybe I was wrong, but like they all just, everybody in the film seems Canadian to me. Like, just <laughs> so polite. Yeah, they're polite and they're like extremely white and just the way their faces are shaped and how they talk. <laughs> so, their faces are shaped. Yeah, I don't know. They have like angular features. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe I have a. Maybe I have a weird impression of Canadians or something, but no, I, I mean I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of guilty of that too. Uh, I worked with a guy for a long time, and uh, he he was half Canadian, and there was always something different about him. And it's like you know, I always figured it's just because he was part Canadian. You know what I mean? He lived in Canada for a while, and then later it turned out he was gay. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> But yeah, I like that when they're all like piling out and, you know, and then they do the skinny dipping scene and then Mike, the main, or I guess he's sort of the protagonist. He says, these people were born to be murdered. And I thought that was kind of, was pretty funny little scene. So that was good. Um, we already talked about a couple of scenes that I really liked the looking into the camera and yes, we're in a movie. That was really funny. The more, when it's trying to like build irony, ironic jokes into the movie, they just fall so flat because none of the actors can pull it off. But yeah. when they're doing like the fourth wall breaks, those are when it actually is pretty funny. There aren't uh, very many of them, though. No, there's only a couple. And if it would have gone more that way, I think it would have been better. I agree. Uh I think my favorite sequence in the whole film is um about... 
maybe 35 minutes in, we get a fight scene between the jock and Mike. And um, they're chasing each other around the house. Um, at one point, they like are both flying on this like cart with wheels. I don't even know where the cart came from, but they're both like laying on it, like punching each other, <laughs> and like it's rolling yeah. towards these stairs down the back deck. And it's just it's a genuinely like amusing scene. I checked on IMDb just to see if I could find anything to talk about in regards to this movie other than how much I hated it. And uh, it said that the guy that played Mike and the guy that played Jimmy did their own stunts in that scene. That's like one of the big facts of the movie. <laughs> wow, I that's definitely... wild. I'm surprised they didn't get like stuntmen on set for multiple takes, multi-camera. I'm surprised they didn't have like a whole special effects and safety team, you know. Uh, oh, I'm surprised yeah. it was such a small crew that they didn't have stuntmen. Yeah, I mean, the stunt isn't good. There's no, like, good effect in that part. But it's yeah. just, it's a humorous scene to me because it's, I don't know, I can almost see just two guys horsing around as buddies, like, actually getting into something like this. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe not, but. <laughs> yeah, I disagree maybe, about maybe this. Maybe Canadians scene. do that. Yeah, I thought the stunt work in the scene wasn't good. It was way too over the top for my taste. I'm not a why is it even why even call it stunt work? It's it's a badly choreographed fight scene, and the badly choreographed fight scene ends up with them laying on a wheeled cart and just kind of rolling out onto the porch. I don't why. How is that stunts? (laughs) Uh, I I don't know. I was just using the language that we were using, but this hey TJ's back on. Hang on a second. Let's see if we can get TJ back in here. TJ. Sorry, my computer decided to run a scheduled task. And, uh, <laughs> something I set up for this time of, of the morning, and I forgot it was scheduled, and it uh, cut everything off. <laughs> so. so about the monster, I'd like to comment on that, because holy shit, was it terrible? <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst monster I've ever seen in a film, but it was pretty cheap and lazy, especially the monster's appendages, which just looked like they put a guy in a sweatshirt and then like duct taped some foam rubber around his arms and then like he had like some mittens for graspers and then they're okay and then we'll just put some green paint on that and call it a day and like wow is that lazy and bad it almost looked like the monster in my opinion if you took like a pleather jacket with long sleeves and just like kind of tucked in the bottom of it to form a triangle and then put a fake head on it and then you just kind of use the sleeves for the arms of the monster, like maybe fill it up with some uh, packaging peanuts or something like that. It looked like a fucking garbage bag with teeth. Yeah. <laughs> There's one scene where it attacks – uh who does it – it attacks Mike and Stacy after – in their I told you so scene where she realizes they are in a horror movie or whatever. And it attacks them when they're next to a tree and he like defeats it by tying its arms around the tree. It looks just like a fucking jacket that's been tied to a tree. It's really, really terrible, terrible monster design. Yeah, I had forgot about that, but that is a funny little scene when he's like, ah, ties the arms together. <laughs> I did like the – I mean, I guess I, when I say like, I think the la- lasers that the monster shot out of its head were okay. The, you know, those were decent. I mean, it's nothing exceptional, and if it was in a movie today, it would be shit quality. But for coming out in 1991, I thought, like, that was pretty competent. Well, well I don't know. Like, <laughs> Look at Star Wars. Star Wars had the same laser effects, except done much better. You can block the eye beams with your forearm, and you're good to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they, not only that, but they'll like deflect off your forearm like it's made out of a mirror. Yeah, I, I guess now that you've mentioned that, yeah, they weren't very good. And the whole point of the eye beams is it's supposed to use them to hypnotize people. Like it looks into your eyes and shoots the eye beams at you. And there's a couple scenes where different people get possessed by the monster and do its bidding. Like uh, Doreen gets possessed by the monster, the blonde chick, and she goes after someone with a baseball bat. She ends up getting her head cut off or whatever. But I and then I think it. There at one point when they're in the car, he's it's trying to do the laser thing too, and like the guy puts on the mirrored sunglasses and it reflects it, the beams back at the monster and blows it off the hood of the car or whatever. <laughs> uh, that is like the only callback to anything we get in the entire movie because those sunglasses, like one of the guys is calling them super lame at the very beginning of the movie, and then yeah. they're used to defeat the monster later, and that's pretty much the only reference to anything in this film at all so uh the the uh, sunglasses scene i have to actually give the movie a little bit credit there because in today's movies 
I can always tell that something that's referenced somewhere in the movie, I'm like, well, this is going to show up again. I have to give the movie credit. I didn't expect the sunglasses to uh, pop back up. Uh, I had actually forgotten about the sunglasses. So, so yeah, uh, as a horror movie as well, this movie is a complete flop. At no point does it build <laughs> any tension whatsoever. Literally none. Even when Truth. they're like – even the spookiest scene when they're like walking in the dark woods and you know the monster's chasing them, there's just no tension whatsoever. Yeah, it's uh, there's it doesn't build up anything. I mean, tension, humor, anything like that. It really it does not direct the audience emotions in any way. Yeah. So outside of a couple of good little moments where they do some fourth wall breaks, I think it's pretty much garbage. Um, <laughs> those those little moments do. Uh, I don't know. Like, if you can just catch those moments on, like, a highlight reel, they're worth watching just those moments. But don't sit down and watch this. If you want to watch a horror comedy, you know, go sit down and watch The Burbs. Or even even uh, if you want something more in this vein, you could find, like, Leslie Vernon um, would be a better film. Uh, I would give this a 1 out of 10. Whoa. It was just so boring. I was just like, please end. Please end. Yeah, for real. All right, TJ, why don't you tell us what you thought of this movie? I think uh, I think I'm probably going to be the only one out of the group that actually kind of mildly enjoyed this movie, apparently. Um, again, when I saw Trauma, the name Trauma on it, even though I know they didn't produce it or anything like that, they distributed it. Uh, it's got Trauma written all over it in a lot of <laughs> in a lot of ways. It's a it's low low budget. It's got bad acting. It's got tits. When it first started up, the the video store scene I thought was a little bit I thought it was a throwaway in terms of context to a lot of the movie. I know, I know Dave and Mike, I know it's supposed to reference all these different horror films and it's supposed to set the tone for the movie. I, I understand that, but uh, I did enjoy the scene. Just the fact that it was in a video store kind of brought back memories and, and things like that. But, uh, uh, so it starts off that way and it's kind of whatever. And then the woman's driving and she wrecks and, and the, uh, the cloud quote unquote falls from the sky. Now, I know the movie is supposed to reference other horror films. Now, I, I kind of got uh, a reference to The Blob from that scene. I don't know if you guys thought that or not, but The Blob. Well, because of it falling out of the sky, like yeah, the and Blob it was, in the 80s. Yeah, and it's kind of like a maybe, yeah, or, or even the, the movie from, what was it, the 50s, the 1950s? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was like a meteor that came out of the sky and it was a creature or whatever. So I kind of got an idea of The Blob from that, but, uh, and so he, then we go to our main main characters who've got to be the oldest high school students I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's like it's like nine oh two one oh. Right, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you got David and, and his geek girlfriend, David, with the receding hairline. Uh, I don't know <laughs> in high school. <laughs> the other guys, you know, they, they don't look anything like high school students. Uh you got your stereotypes, you got uh Mike and what's is it Stacy, his girlfriend, they're the uh the nice couple, and then you have uh, Nick. Uh, Nick, yeah. Oh, Nick, Nick, yeah, he's the nice guy. And then Mike is the, uh, I guess, the loner guy that's, uh, he knows it all about the horror films and such. And then you have the the jock and his girlfriend, the blonde girlfriend, and then David and Stacy, uh, the the nerd. It's, it's kind of it's a weak it's a weak sauce kind of uh, approach to the archetypes, like right, what you correct. see in Cabin in the Woods. And it's funny that you mentioned Cabin in the Woods because uh, I actually got a Cabin in the Woods feel from this movie because primarily because of Mike and in Cabin in the Woods you had what, what the stoner guy he was kind of the he was kind of the same way and but it was everything was a conspiracy there was something going on people was watching you there was a conspiracy and even in Cabin in the Woods and in there's nothing out there Mike. In, in this movie, he, he supposedly dies and he disappears. And the same thing with the, in Cabin in the Woods, the stoner guy, it looks like he dies and then he shows up back later in yeah. the movie. Just, yeah, just the, the same exact. Because there's, there's that, it's the scene, you're talking about the scene when he's in the basement and it kind of ends ambiguously where the, he breaks out a window, but the monster's coming towards him, but it just goes to black. Correct. So you, you're without Mike for a while there. Right. I, I got a really strong connection between those two movies in that sense. In that sense. The acting is poor. Uh you you get the you get the like uh David mentioned, you get the punk rock people showing up and they go quote unquote skinny dipping in the in the dirty pond and then they leave. Nothing else happens. 
but uh, we get to see some naked girls, I guess. And and then uh, you, you have the uh, nerd couple later later that night. They go out walking. You get to see the creature finally for the I guess the first time in this scene. And you're right, fellas. Uh, it's bad. He, he looks bad. <laughs> he's not. A, he's not a very uh, good looking creature. Uh, yeah, so he, if they couldn't make it, if they could not make the creature look scary, they could have at least made it funny. And they really didn't do either. It just looks like a no. plop, a prop that's being dragged along the ground at points. Well, yeah. And when it kills, uh, it, when it kills, uh, David, it kind of, there's, there's time that, uh, you know, it's not edited well. Uh, the creature is on him and it just looks like, looks like they just set it on him and uh, he's, he rolls around with it a little bit and some fake blood pops out. <laughs> Or something. Yeah. And and then the then the girl runs off and she she runs into a tree. So they're out of the picture for a while. And uh and there for a while back at the the cabin, uh I was beginning to wonder if uh they were ever going to ask about the, their two friends that went out walking, which they do. They do eventually mention them, but at first it's it's uh it's like man the the script writer here uh he doesn't even mention the the people that's disappeared, but they do come back to it. Uh, but yeah, but for me, a while they just don't seem to care yeah. at all. It's like, it's like they forgot they were part of the movie. Correct. Yeah. It's like they just completely wrote them off. But I have to admit, there were parts of the film that I thought I got a chuckle out of. And it was from Mike, the guy that was so on the nose about things. Uh, his references looking into the camera, uh, about being in a movie. When they talked about the missing friends, when they finally do bring them up, he's like, yeah, I wrote them off a long time ago. <laughs> I, thought that, yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. And uh, him tying the, the arms of the creature around the tree and things like that. Uh, I actually thought, I actually kind of thought, uh, I mean, he wasn't a good actor and the, not all, all of it was conveyed well, but I actually thought it, it was kind of funny uh, here and there. And uh, the boom mic uh, that Nick swings on, the highlight of the film, I think, as you guys kind of agreed, you know, he gets on the boom mic and he swings out of the 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 danger from the uh, from the creature and things like that. I thought that was pretty good. So, uh, to me, as a as a package of a film, as bad as it was in a lot of ways, I actually kind of enjoyed it. It was low budget, but I mean, it, they were self aware that it was low budget, uh, maybe too much in your in your opinions, but uh, I actually kind of enjoyed it and. and it kept me engaged. I thought, well, this was a fun way to pass the afternoon, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> I guess if I wanted to give it a rating, um, I would give it about a 5 out of 10, just because it was kind of a fun, retro, bad <laughs> movie, and it, I got some good laughs out of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, a 5 is fair. It just depends on – I think with this movie, it depends on how well the humor lands with you. And if mm-hmm. the humor doesn't land, then the movie's got nothing to offer for you. Uh there's no, there's no, obviously there's, you know, I don't, not that I expect there to be great cinematography in a low budget movie like this, but it's like they didn't even make an effort to do anything creative with the cinematography. The only, there's only two notable things here that really happen with cinematography. Obviously they try to parody monster movies by using way too much, uh, monster point of view shots and they screw it up because they don't really lead to anything and they're not very important. They don't reveal anything and they certainly don't build any tension. It's an amateur attempt, and all the acting in this is very, very amateur. And, you know, you should expect that from a lower-budget film like this. It betrays it very early on that it's not going to be uh, a stellar attempt at filmmaking. But the acting wasn't even good enough to, like, just to carry you through the film and to endear you to the characters in any way. And it was kind of a turnoff. It made it harder to watch the film. The sound in this movie is bad, like the way the the Foley work and the way they went through and re-edited the sound. Volume levels change a lot. Some of the some of the movie, w- when I was watching it, it sounded like the the soundtrack was on a fucking vinyl record on a really crappy turntable. It's just, it's very low, it's beyond low budget. It's just kind of poorly done. There's a lot of confusing stuff in this movie, and it seems kind of thrown together. Again, it kind of reminds me of bad taste in a lot of ways. There's a... Uh, really bad dialogue all the time you can and when the where the dialogue has to drive what's going in the movie it really fails because the dialogue is poorly written poorly delivered and all of that uh if i caught this movie on tv about 45 minutes in i would have changed the channel for sure and at 45 minutes into the movie there's still really nothing interesting or funny happening 53 minutes into the movie 
I just kind of started to nod off and I started falling asleep while I was watching the movie. Then I had to go back and try to rewatch parts of it that I kept missing. I kept falling asleep in the middle of this movie quite a bit. And then the movie picked up a bit once Jim and Doreen got attacked. And I was like, okay, well, maybe now it'll keep going. But it just kind of dropped off again after that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The monster design's terrible. And we've gone over that quite a bit. The monster design looks like crap, and it doesn't look like crap in a way that's funny or ironic or satirical. It's just a crappy, crappy design to begin with, and it's poorly done. It's not animated well. It just looks like it's being dragged around with ropes all the time. Uh, thankfully, I didn't fall asleep during the boom mic part. That's the really the shining part of this movie right there. And the other good thing in this movie, and I'm surprised Dave didn't notice this because he kind of has a thing for transitions. This movie does a titty transition where I believe it's... Wait, what? No. Yeah, there's a titty There's a titty transition in this movie. What was there's, it? When the guy, when the chick's in the shower for the frustrating shower scene... Yeah. And she's and they she gets out and she, she starts to open her blouse for the guy... And then it, it zooms in, or no, it might have been when she was going swimming or something. I can't remember. But it's oh, yeah. uh, no, Doreen no, is yeah. getting ready to take off her top, and it starts zooming in closer and closer on her breast, and it's finally going to reveal them. And right when she gets ready to open it up or take it off, it transitions to uh Stacy's breasts while she's messing around with the nerd guy. <laughs> and then it backs out of those. So, like, it zooms into one chick's breasts and then backs out of another chick's breasts. That was something kind of cool in the movie. And that is about it. That and the boom mic. You know, again, great job making a feature-length movie, but you couldn't even come up with, like, a realistic explanation of what was going on at the end, what their big plan was. It's just people standing on stools throwing light bulbs and and shining flashlights around to get a monster to go in the oven. (laughs) Garbage. Oh, uh, sucks. (laughs) Did you get pissed off at the end when they said, oh, the only thing we had to do was uh, set off the house alarm and the police would have been here here in about 30 minutes? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of ironic. Instead, you know, we got this. It would have been a lot better movie, that's for sure, if the cops would have just showed up. Maybe some of them would have been competent actors. This movie blows. It's a poopy movie. This is a poopy movie. I don't recommend it to anyone. You know, go fast forward through it on YouTube and look for the boom mic scene and maybe the titty transition, and that's what all it's good for. I give this a fucking 1 out of 10. Wow. Oh, my gosh. I was the second highest rating. I gave it a two minus out of ten. <laughs> All right. So as far as uh, other business we got to attend to before we get out of here, uh, I just want to thank everyone for the great response that we had to our previous episode. Uh, that's by far the most uh, listeners we've ever had to an episode, largely in part to the people on Reddit who responded to our posts. We post every episode on the horror subreddit on Reddit, and uh, we got a lot of responses to that, and some interesting stuff came up about the class of Newcomb High. If you remember class Newcomb High, there's two main characters, and the female is Chrissy. Uh, the actor that plays her actually in, like, the 90s or 2000s went missing, and she was, like, her husband was trying to find her for a long time, and he never, never quite could find her, so she's, like, a missing person now. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, she was, like, she did some uh Playboy or Penthouse or something like that. I mean, she was, like, a model or something like that during or after the time she did that movie. And uh, she just kind of went missing in Las Vegas. And her husband almost got her once or twice, but he couldn't get the police involved. And then she disappeared again. Like she kind of has problems and maybe can't take care of herself, I think is the issue. But uh, there was actually, if you look for it, you Google the, you know, go find the actor, uh, the actress rather on IMDb and check out Google her name, and you'll find some stuff that's been posted on the Internet. Their husband used to have a blog looking for her and all that. So that was a neat little rabbit hole to go down into uh, regarding the movie. Obviously not good news or anything, but it was still fairly interesting. And uh, just a couple days after we posted that, Troma put up a trailer for Return to Return to Newcomb High. We put that trailer on our Facebook page. It's hilarious. It's like a four-minute trailer, and it's just nothing but scenes from the movie. It's got Ron Jeremy in it. It's got Lemmy in it. He must have done some scenes before he died. It looks really good, and, you know, I know I didn't give a good rating to that Newcomb High movie, but the sequels and then the Return to Newcomb High movies are just exponentially better than the first one, in my opinion. But there was a really big response to that movie when we put it on the horror subreddit, and a lot of people like that movie, so that was pretty cool. Well, I remember uh, I watched it when I was a kid, so I, I'm familiar with with the film, and uh, and I knew that they just recently did a 
I guess it's a third one then. then uh, It'd be uh, the fourth one. They just they did. Oh, okay. They did. They did two. They did. They did Newcom High, and then they did Newcom High two, Newcom High three, and then like in 1999 or 2000 or something like that. I don't remember. They did Return to Newcom High, and then just now they're getting ready to put out Return to Return to Newcom High. So this will be the fifth movie. Oh, okay, okay. So that's uh, is that the one that you posted the trailer to? Is that one? Yeah, that's on our Facebook page. You can check that out. Okay. Now, as far as what's going on next week, or if next week is really going to happen next week, uh, I don't really know yet. Things are pretty tumultuous. We almost didn't even do an episode today because I was having so many problems with my computer and getting all of the recording stuff set up and all of that. So this episode almost didn't happen. And I don't know how next weekend's going to go or the weekend after that. I'm in transitioning jobs and I've got some other stuff going on and other people get busy too. And I don't want to do a show with just two people where it's just me and someone else. So if other people don't show up, sometimes we won't do a show. I know, you know, you expect from a podcast to hear an episode every week and I would like to do that. And if I had the means to do it, I would, but just, you can probably maybe expect an episode every other week from here on out on the average. Maybe it'll be better than that. I don't know. Cause I don't really know what the future holds for me right now but we're not gonna walk away from the podcast we'll still do it whenever we have a chance to do it we got plenty of people to fill in when people aren't here so we're gonna do the best we can so what movie are we gonna do next time no idea all right does anyone have anything else to say before we sign off nope uh thanks again for having me i hope everybody has a good weekend it's good talk to you guys again have a good week everybody and we'll talk to you soon adios okay so see you later huh